0: Up to a third of young men under the age of 25 have not had sex in a year. A year. Right, yeah so negatively impactful and to see that many people not having sex is very alarming to me because I think it's just the tip of the iceberg. The way we're trained in medical school and in residencies is that testosterone is not a big deal and not until men are profoundly deficient, like levels under 300, should we treat them. And so you'll see all these men who are tired, gaining weight, can't remember, depressed or moody or short-tempered loss of sex drive people think about testosterone and they think bodybuilding and sex
1: yo what up guys welcome back to the show today we have on dr wendy ask you doctor thanks for taking the time to be on the show
0: thanks so much for having me Juan. it's a it's a pleasure i like i said i love your feed and I'm, i'm happy to join and thank you appreciate you having me on
1: Thanks, thanks. Yeah, Dalton was like, you know what, you you have to get her on. You're starting podcasting again, and I know my favorite news news channel in Texas, Ksat 12, had you on. None yeah, in Ksat 12. So I had, I knew I had to have you on.
0: Well, I love Dalton, and we love Ksat, and uh, we've done a, a lot of like segments trying to educate the San Antonio population about some of the health issues that they may be experiencing. So it's always fun to kind of get the word out.
1: Right, right. Of course. So why don't we get into it? Why don't you tell the people about what you do, your expertise, all of that?
0: Thank you. Um, So Dr. Wendy Askew, and my original training is I'm board certified in OBGYN, but about 13 years ago, I've been a physician for 25 years, um, I began to be kind of disenchanted with conventional medicine and seeing so many patients who are on tons of prescriptions and really weren't doing well. They still felt bad. And so I um, became board certified in functional medicine and really kind of have gone down this rabbit hole of finding the root causes of problems looking at issues that might be benefited by supplements, by plant medicines, by hormones, by sometimes taking people off of prescriptions, and by wellness in general. So, you know, meditation, stress management, better diets. And then my niche areas right now are hormones and sexual wellness for both men and women. And then I'm one of Texas's uh, cannabis medicine prescribers. So I love what uh, cannabis medicine um, offers patients therapeutically. Texas is way behind the times compared to Vegas, um, Nevada, and other states.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a slow crawl, but we're making progress.
1: No, love it. Love it. And you mentioned, you know, you were sort of, you know, dissatisfied, disappointed with what you were seeing out there, you know, yeah. as far as um, people getting the proper treatment. Um, yeah. Why don't you talk a little bit more about that? What are some of the biggest things, you know, you saw in your career, the uh, the treatment that people are getting that are they getting bad advice, bad prescriptions? Um, wh- you know, what first comes to mind? Re- regarding Absolutely.
0: That? So I always uh, like kind of preface my comments. With um, All of the things that I'm doing have a lot of science behind them, but I'll put my little tinfoil hat on and tell you that Mm -hmm. medicine is about the money like anything else is, and whether intentionally or not, Doctors have kind of uh, become just like robotic thinkers. Someone says a symptom and I start writing a prescription or telling them they need a surgery rather than like listening to them, taking a more thorough history, doing an exam and trying to figure out like what's going on in your life that maybe caused you to start feeling anxious or have no sex drive or not be able to sleep at night rather than just reaching for some Ambien or some Lexapro or something else. And, you know, come to find out for a lot of people, sometimes talking through it, most of what I do is hormones. So I'm always open to checking people's hormone levels and then talking to them about what hormones can do and what I don't think they can do. And then experimenting. I don't like to use that word. It's just trial and Mm -hmm. error. Um, with maybe a hormone treatment instead of a prescription. And if we make good progress, then, you know, we're on the right track and we can kind of continue it. So um, I just saw too many of my colleagues and I still do feel like a million prescriptions for everybody is a great Um, end game if you're a pharmaceutical company but if you're a patient who really wants to feel better and be healthier that's really not the best way to achieve real wellness so i just try to be more open-minded take other things into consideration and not just immediately start writing prescriptions for every symptom
1: there you go folks we have it from the doctor herself um so yeah regarding hormones i know uh we have um, Michael Sartain in, in Vegas. He's a big event thrower. He coaches men. And one of the things that he talks about is uh, TRT. And what, mm-hmm. one of the things that he said is um, it's almost, you know, criminal what some of these men are going through when they're, you know, going to a doctor and he's telling them that they, he's checking their T levels and telling them that they don't need TRT. I don't yep. know if uh, you dealt with seen anything like that i know you help women with hrt um yep. do you have any experience with in the trt space absolutely
0: so i absolutely believe in testosterone replacement therapy and i actually treat a lot of men so when i began doing more hormones okay. i i treat them and what your um, friend or colleague in in, in nevada sees is the same in Texas. The way we're trained in medical school and in residencies is that testosterone is not a big deal and not until men are profoundly deficient, like levels under 300, should we treat them. But what you'll learn in the functional medicine space is that what's optimal is usually a range between 700, 1200, sometimes more. And so you'll see all these men who are tired, gaining weight, can't remember, depressed or moody or short-tempered loss of sex drive people think about testosterone and they think bodybuilding and sex but some of its Mm -hmm. strongest benefits are for mood and for memory and so um when we see when i see levels that are outside of the optimal range i always discuss it and get more history, find out if it's a safe intervention for patients and love to try um, testosterone therapy, because a lot of times you can get relief from multiple symptoms that don't seem interrelated. But if you understand how testosterone works in the different organ systems, it can help my memory, my mood, my sex drive, Mm -hmm. my muscle tone, tons of things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this guy, he's uh, about 45 years old and he Mm -hmm. mentioned he was feeling like he was 19 again. And yeah. uh, one of the things, you know, yeah, besides, you know, working out in sex, right? One of the things yeah. he did bring up was actual working on his business and right. just being being sharper. Promise.
0: Yeah, we don't know until we try it. So if the levels are low and we supplement patients and the levels get into the optimal ranges and they feel better again control the side effects if they have any and it's really a way that not only helps people feel better but it promotes healthful aging so we know that it slows the onset and decline of Cognitive dysfunction and dementias, including Alzheimer's, it's protective mm-hmm. of the heart, protective of the bones. They're even looking at testosterone as a possible treatment for congestive heart failure. And it makes sense, right? right? The heart's made of muscle cells. And if muscle cells thrive under optimal testosterone levels, then it would only make sense that the heart would be stronger, too. That's not completely approved, but it's um, being investigated and it shows a lot of promise.
1: Interesting. And um, as far as uh, HRT for the women out there, what, you Mm -hmm. know, can you tell us a little bit more about that?
0: For sure. Um, Testosterone for women is a good thing also. And most Mm -hmm. doctors are going to rely on the reference ranges that the lab has established, which aren't really based on optimal levels. So uh, I'll use my own example. So uh, uh, the same thing, like when I went through menopause, my doctors told me the same thing. I was depressed. I was tired because I had kids and a job and I was in my forties and that's just how I felt. And they put me on an antidepressant and Ambien and Xanax and I still felt pretty crappy. And then this was about 14 years ago. And I started learning about hormones, got on therapy and lo and behold, I slept through the night. I had more motivation. My kids stopped whispering about how I was getting dementia when I was 40. I felt, I wouldn't say I felt 19, but I definitely felt like in my thirties and much better. And when I come off of it to see if I feel normal without it, invariably, I lose my motivation. I'm happy to sit around and watch Netflix or prime all day long and not do anything. So for me, Mm -hmm. mood, energy, sleep, mental health, skin health, everything is better. When I keep the testosterone levels at levels where a lot of doctors would go, that's too high. Um, It's not actually too high. We know what are the safe thresholds and what are the thresholds where we would begin to um, cause transitioning effects. Because I have transgender patients Mm -hmm. that I manage, and we know the level for women that can cause permanent irreversible changes. And um, so only in patients Mm -hmm. who that's their outcome would I treat to that level. So there's a lot of art and a lot of science to it, but it can be really impactful.
1: Interesting. So what are some of the other things that come to mind when we talk about for you, We talk about regenerative. I I can't pronounce that word. Uh, Regenerative. Uh, Regenerative. Regenerative regenerative health.
0: Too many Um, syllables. Regenerative um, medicine is one of my areas of passion too, and this involves a lot of different things, from supplements to stem cells to um, interventions that help wake up our body's own repair mechanisms. So PRP exosomes, stem cell treatments, all wonderful therapeutics for patients who are suffering from conditions like osteoarthritis, because all we would prescribe for those patients or do to treat them are things that decrease inflammation like ibuprofen, Advil, pain medications, whereas a PRP injection in appropriately selected patients or a stem cell application or an exosome treatment Or a hyperbaric oxygen treatment, there's lots of regenerative therapies, can actually wake up our own stem cells and stimulate them to start doing repair work and building more cartilage, making new collagen, helping grow new hair cells, doing a lot of beneficial things. So I think that's it's obviously one of the directions medicine is going, but um, right. the FDA controls things and the pharmaceutical companies fund the FDA. So a lot of times those things will get kind of like a bad rap, but it's mm-hmm. often because they're waiting for the FDA to approve one of the pharma companies that's still working on the development of the product. Unfortunately, that's true. Um, but those therapeutics mm-hmm. are out there and they can be really in- incredible for patients. Prevent surgeries, right. no. prevent side effects. Yeah.
1: No that that does seem incredible and you know you know speaking of the FDA and you know where things are going where do you see things going in the next 10 years is there a good outlook there or is there still a lot of red tape
0: There's still a ton of red tape and it costs a, a lot of money for pharmaceutical companies to bring new products and new interventions to the marketplace mm-hmm. but The FDA is absolutely embracing um, a lot of these regenerative therapies because they're Mm -hmm. so beneficial because we're an aging population and they want, you know, they don't want all of us to be in nursing homes and then walkers and all of those things. Right. So whatever we can do to help people maintain um, their functional status and their mobility and remain active is going to be a great thing when we're an aging society.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And what are some
1: more? Sorry. And um, you know, just so the audience knows, right? What are some of the things as far as that, as far as stem cells goes, that are available like right now, like tomorrow? Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. And you'd have to find providers like orthopedic experts mm. who do bone marrow aspirations and mm. extract some of those stem cells and use those when they're doing it, like say a scope of your knee or your shoulder, whatever joint, and then use the stem cells. As part of their surgery or in conjunction with it, or do an injection of the stem cells to stimulate the development of new cartilage, new cushioning, um, Mm -hmm. to give relief of pain and improve function and hopefully defer uh, a replacement of that joint. So a lot of orthopedic Mm -hmm. docs are doing that. Chemicals called exosomes are kind of like the battery of stem cells. They've got all of the growth factors and cytokines that stimulate repair mechanisms to kick in, but they don't have the genetic material that's located within stem cells from amnion or placenta. And so we think they're going to be safer, but really have a powerful effect on regenerating new cells. And again, like for aesthetics, I love them for obviously reasons. Um, so there's a lot of providers that will offer them for joint health, for skin health. And then if if you're looking, it's going to be a little bit more sparse, but for conditions like neurodegenerative things, MS, Mm -hmm. um, post-stroke, um, lots of other applications, but you have to be careful with your providers because there's good players Mm -hmm. and bad players like in every other area of the world.
1: Yeah. So that's actually another, one of the things I wanted to ask you about when people are looking, for providers what are some of the red flags they should be looking for and some of the green flags as well yeah
0: i really feel like the red flags are if you get a a quick hard sell and if they are um if they don't take the time to counsel patients thoroughly about the data being in, if then they should always tell you that it's still investigational, that outcomes are not guaranteed, that these things are are rarely going to be, if ever, going to be covered by your insurance, that it's not just a big money grab. Right. So if they're telling you like, oh, a 90 percent improvement rate and one treatment, things like that, if you feel like you're okay. at the car lot, maybe um, get some more opinions before you lay out your money.
1: Right. One treatment, one magic treatment exactly exactly okay so it should be treatments over time usually
0: well it 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 should it might be multiple treatments depending on the condition that you're getting Mm -hmm. but they should just be very honest about what their um, expected outcomes are and they should always tell you like these things are investigational they're not fda approved yet unless very rare instances but the data show out of korea out of other companies that have results um, and then it shouldn't be, you know, like you have to take out a loan or a second mortgage on your house to afford these things um, mm-hmm. and do your own research and get your answers and then go in with your questions, specifically what the condition that you're looking to treat is. The provider should know what specific condition you're asking about and have some data about that specific condition. Um, there's a lot of kind yeah. of. Who are good business people and will offer these treatments? I'm always a little bit leery. I do feel like you should have uh, a higher level of responsibility, um, ethically, mm-hmm. and like medical boards that you are operating under, um, and you're doing something that's not FDA approved or cleared, but that does have data to support it. So be careful if it's. I would a- agree. Yeah.
1: Yep. I-, I would agree, and here's just you know something that I've heard is that. You know the chiropractors in in that practice, not to put any chiropractors down, but I've just heard uh, science doesn't support what they're doing. I don't know. I'll have to look into it. That's just something I heard very quick on some other type of podcast. But no, like you mentioned, uh, everything you do is backed up with data and science. And so that's one of the big, you know, I'm a big proponent of actually looking at the data, looking at the science, looking at the stats, and then making a decision from there. So no, Um, Great to have you on the show. And one of the, yeah, one of the things you also brought up was, you know, you were also described uh, antidepressants and about Mm -hmm. two other episodes on the show. We, this topic, you know, keeps coming up, um, depression, anxiety, taking antidepressants, right? Um, Does that have something to do with your involvement in the cannabis space as well?
0: A hundred percent. Antidepressant medications, in my opinion, and supported by the data, grossly overprescribed and their efficacy at treating depression and anxiety is a coin toss at best if you really look at the research. Some of the okay. big pharma companies have had up to billion dollar fines because they buried research specifically showing that adolescents had an increased risk of suicidal um, attempts and completed suicides. This was like 10 years ago. But, right. you know, it's a speed bump, you hear about it and then people forget it. So you need to be really careful with those medications. They have a role. Some people benefit. I think they're much more about driving revenue revenue for the companies that make them. So what Mm -hmm. cannabis medicine and the psychedelics are offering for treatment, resistant depression and anxiety for OCD, for addictions is mind blowing. So I am so excited about the psychedelic space and what's happening within that realm and the results that patients are getting from treatments with psilocybin and MDMA, plant medicine too, like the real psychedelics, actually cure a lot of people where the cannabis is wonderful, it's safe, it helps to um, improve a symptom, but it's not like I can take edibles for a week and then everything's great. It's it's something that I need on right. a basis. So I love cannabis medicine as an alternative. And I really wanted more alternatives to be able to offer my patients. And so that's what led me to try and learn more about cannabis and plant medicines. And um, to be able to offer it is, is important to me.
1: Wow, it's interesting that you say that. So look look at that, guys. Last episode, we had, you know, a naturopathic doctor talk about how she helps people with uh, sobriety and depression with um, psilocybin and a lot of those, um, you know, types of natural medicines. And uh, now we have you on the next episode, kind of breaking it down even further. That's amazing. Um, It's
0: exciting. mm -hmm. And we're it's so good, Juan, that they're expecting they expected FDA approval for MDMA and psilocybin either this year, although we're getting late in the year. So hopefully Mm -hmm. early 2024. That's how strong the research studies are for helping patients. So um, I 100% agree with your guest. Um, It's the way of the future.
1: Awesome. And as far as Texas goes with medical cannabis, how do you see, you know, the outlook in the next few years? Is there good news, bad news from my of cannab- yeah. yeah, my cannabis network out there? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, we had such a disappointing um, session this year. Um. So, uh, right. I'm I'm still super optimistic because I do think federally it's going to be legalized at the federal level, and then I think right. what once that comes down, um, really it's uh Dan Patrick, even Abbott was like wanting to expand access for patients. And um, the lieutenant governor, for I don't know what his uh, concerns are, but he just will not move forward with this. So I'm still optimistic mm-hmm. because it's so safe. It's so beneficial. So, yeah, we want very much to grow our program here and um, help people have access to it. Is it going to help them? I don't know. Do they deserve a chance to try it safely and legally? Absolutely, they do.
1: hmm. Interesting. So um, another thing I wanted to ask about is, so you you deal with a lot of, as you mentioned, you looked at my, uh, or you enjoy my Instagram profile, right? I love it. I'm up to all these crazy events in Vegas. So um, as as you might have seen, I'm pretty open, you know, sexually, let's just say, right? I'm pretty open to have have the conversation. Now you deal with a lot of subjects that people might, you know, feel embarrassed to talk about, right? Yeah from what you've seen yeah what do you feel is the most embarrassing things that people like don't want to talk about that should be talked about more
0: uh i think loss of sexual function as as people get older and even in young patients so on the aging side men are so embarrassed about the loss erectile dysfunction and the loss of their sexual capacity it has so many negative effects on their psyche depression introversion withdrawing from their relationships so i want everybody to know some people gross out but like i want 50 60 70 year olds having active sex lives with their partners consensual relationships um i want them to be able to maintain it because it has a ton of health benefits Mm -hmm. that's really soft science on the on the opposite end of the spectrum one i don't know if you've heard these data but a, a lot of people and podcasters have been talking about Chris Williamson and um, Tom Billiou did a great episode mm-hmm. up to a third of young men under the age of 25 have not had sex in a year, a year. Right. Yeah so negatively impactful on every aspect of their emotional health, connectivity with uh, relationships and the loss of those things. So I think that's a horrible statistic. Um, I think that right. consenting adults of age um, should have relationships and that sex should be a healthy part of that relationship and to see that many people not having sex is very alarming to me because i think it's just the tip of the iceberg of a mental health crisis that we have since the pandemic that um we we have to help these people feel better about themselves be more plugged in stop uh resorting to online sites to meet people and get back out in the world And develop these relationships and be sexually active because it is very important for our mental health as well as your physical health. Um, I think it's it's very concerning,
1: right? And so, you know, you mentioned young people, you know, going through that or not being as sexually active, right? What do you think is the main cause of that?
0: Um, I think it's uh, dating sites online. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, social media and the what what's put out there, there's a lot of studies how the women are gonna be drawn to what is in effect like the top 20% of the appearance, in the yeah. post. like your physical appearance. If you're flashing your Rolex on camera, this is not a Rolex, this is a bracelet. Right, uh, right. And if you put up the signs and stigma of wealth and success. And affluence, women are going to be drawn to that top 20% and the bottom 80% are going to feel rejected, isolated, and eventually probably right. just withdraw from the game for the search. And then right. they're going to find their sexual outlet in porn or you know pretty soon ai robots just like japan's got a whole industry of that and i don't think that's healthy for people i think we need human connection with other people not just screens and there's a lot of science to support that that's not just an opinion so i i think it's um, partly social media partly the pandemic so and a lot of people are still nervous and worried about their health and exposures and stuff like that but um, I think it's really important for people to work on building their immune systems, getting back out, re-engaging in life, mm-hmm. and um, for people to not look so superficially at others. Find your real connection with your real soulmate that's going to, of course, involve what they look like, um, but it's also going to involve who they are at their core. And um, right. so I don't want well, you know, people falling into that space. Yeah,
1: that, yeah, that's an interesting topic, too. Yeah. Um not only the Instagram part, like looking at other people that have it going on while you don't, but also, you know, dating sites, like you mentioned, a lot of the women are just choosing. Yeah, a lot of the women are just choosing the best men out there. And then men are choosing whoever from what I've seen. Now, me personally, I don't like dating sites, because yeah. it doesn't give me a chance to, you know, display my personality. And yeah. I've, I, I just really enjoy, you know, talking to people in real life. And I think a lot of people would be surprised that I'm actually an introvert. But um, I'm surprised. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. A lot of people would be surprised. But like I mentioned, before we got on camera, you know, you were talking about my Instagram, right? That's Mm -hmm. really a personal brand. And like, you know, there's another side to me that likes accounting and like, just really quiet, nerdy stuff, right. But as far as my social life, networking with both men and women, right? There has to be a point where you have to talk to people. So, you know, you could, you could be an introvert, but still there's a social thing that you have to do. So, That's definitely,
0: that's the, the core, right? Like the persona online doesn't necessarily reflect the actuality. And I agree with you because I think chemistry is critical and I can't get chemistry from a screen or a bio or even a couple of video clips. That's just something like electromagnetically that people put out Mm -hmm. that I need to be in your presence and talk to you and, and get a sense of. So I, I agree. It doesn't work for me. Um, And I want people to get back out there and start interacting.
1: Yeah. And it's also, you know, people talk about the metaverse and one day everyone will be in VR and screens. I don't think everyone will be in uh, VR and screens. I think a good portion of society will, but uh, it's not healthy. So, you know, society is going to see the effects from that and then pull back. That's just my, you know, kind of prediction on how that's going to play out. But um, I agree with you 100%, and I hope you're right. Yeah, yeah, I I think so. It's
0: just just Uh, always, you know, we all know social media and dating sites, it's not reality. People are lying about what they look like, what they make, what they wear, what they like to do. And that's unfortunate because, you know, everybody has their own special qualities that make them magnetic to the right people. And you're not going to find those right people if you're projecting something false out there
1: right love it and um you know as far as your expertise and the things that you've seen or you know when people are maybe looking you up online or maybe they're watching this interview right mm-hmm. What are what are, yeah What are, maybe they're watching this interview hopefully right they are yeah um what are some of the common misconceptions that people have about what you do
0: well um Uh, it's hard to say. Um, I don't know if they have a lot of misperceptions. I I mean, I try to help people and I hope that, um, I just try to be open-minded and listen to people. And I, um, try to explore other areas. And if I can offer them help, I will. And usually if, if I can't, then I'll, I'll know where, which direction to point them in. So, right. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully there's not a lot of misperceptions. I'm a pretty open book. Like what you see is what you get. I swear too much. I, you know, I can be an introvert also. Um, but yeah, what you see is mostly what you get.
1: Right. Love it. And then, re- you know, regarding your expertise, you mentioned, we we talked about um, some of the future on on this podcast here, right? But what are you most most excited about? Absolutely obsessed with right now going forward
0: in the healthcare space. Yes. I I'm most excited about the psychedelics. So I'm glad you brought it up because, um, I think you brought it up what mm-hmm. the outcomes are. And we have this epidemic, a mental health crisis with depression and anxiety and people, a lot of people don't realize that that's what they're experiencing or that there is more to offer them than just, you know, five antidepressants and, um, And that don't really make you feel well and have a ton of side effects so that there really is hope. But I'm also excited Mm -hmm. about if people would learn to exercise and spend more time outdoors in the sun, eat a little Mm -hmm. bit healthier, meditate. Those things seem silly, but they've got great science behind them. They're easy. They're actionable. They're free in most cases. And if you invest Mm -hmm. a little bit of time, you can really have profound life improving impact on your mental health depression on your sleep quality on your blood pressure on chronic pain so don't discount the seemingly simple you know old school things um the new things are great but the old school things like meditation and and um grounding and other things that people would consider fringe have got really fascinating science and um, they're accessible to everyone
1: right exactly and i heard a lot of people saying that as well during the pandemic right like No, do get outside, exercise, like make sure your immune system is really ready to battle what may come your way. Whatever you
0: bump into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah.
1: exactly. Okay, so um, before I uh, let you go off to the rest of the week, Wendy, um, do you have just any general advice for anyone out there watching? You know, what's top of mind for you? What do you want to leave the people with?
0: Yeah. I, I, there's good doctors and bad doctors and therapists in, in any industry. If you go see a provider with a symptom that you're experiencing and you don't have a good feeling about the answers that they give you or they don't offer you information or sites to look at to get more information, get another opinion. And I mean that for any of your physicians that you see, if, you, if you're seeing a therapist and you're not really connecting with them, don't be afraid to fire them or to move on and find another person, because it really takes a little while to find the person who speaks to you in the voice that you can hear and offers you the hope and help that you may need. So just because one doctor said something that you don't like, we're not all you know heartless automatons. Um, and, and if people don't like me, by all means, get another opinion. I want people to find help that works for them.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Love it well thank thanks for taking the time on to come on the show Wendy um, where can the people find you?
0: Thanks so much for having me. So my podcast is finally going to be getting off the ground. I know we talked about this a year Let's and a half ago. Let's go. It is. We talked it about is. this
1: a year ago. Yeah. I know, Let's I go. know. I was Follow in a state podcast. of
0: overwhelm. So my website is still under construction but drwendyaskyou.com. My Instagram is wendyaskyou2000. My old site got hacked. Um and Facebook I'm at wendyaskyou. Um and then I'll meet my channel on YouTube titled working title, sex, drugs, and wellness, unless they're going to censor everything. And then I'll be going to be sending out, starting to, um, with a newsletter for patients, um, that's going to be hormone focused. So we're going to call it happy hormones and healthy.
1: Nice. Nice. I think your titles will be just fine. I think people will love it.
0: I trust your (laughs) advice on this. So yeah, we're going to keep it.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Wendy.
0: Thanks so much, Juan. Take care.